It all begins with this gate drop. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast, your home for everything motocross, supercross, and dirt bikes. I am Steve. With me, as always, is Jesse. What's up, Jesse? Man, great races this weekend. Oh, what a great weekend. This is my favorite weekend so far. Even the heat. By far. (laughs) Wherever you happen to be listening to this, uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time we upload a new show. Also, visit the website, www.powerthenumber2theground.com, so you can check out for giveaways, merch, and exclusive web content, as well as joining our Jug Club. Don't forget, jump in now, and you're going to be locked into that Jug Club price and all of the uh, the giveaways and everything. So hop on over there, check it out on the website, join the Jug Club, share all of our content with your friends so you guys can keep up to date on all of the best coverage that this sport has to offer. And um, speaking of great coverage, I, we're going to get into the recaps like we always do. Um, I have a proposal. Let's hear it. Will and Chad Reed in the booth fire everybody else. On board. <laughs> On board. So so if you watched the broadcast yesterday, um, Chad was hurt on Friday, so he wasn't racing yesterday. And they had him as a guest, basically commentator for like second half, maybe second three quarters of the 450 race. Yep. It was a good portion of it. And um, wow, did we get to see what a good commentator could do. He gave us insight. He gave us... Uh, strategy. He gave us actual like things that were happening in the race. You know, when Eli went down in that sand section, um, he talked about what exactly happened. You know, underneath the sand, there's this little, you know, it's the hard pack dirt, and then Eli missed his break, and like, and and that's exactly what ended up happening. Eli said it afterwards, and it was so insightful, and it was um, the kind of stuff you want to hear watching right. a broadcast. Yeah, it was uh, actual technical breakdown. It wasn't just like. Well, he was feeling confident right before he got into that spot on the track, but it's clear his confidence wavered for just that moment, and that's when he went off the track. And now he's not feeling quite as confident now, but let's give it a couple of turns and see if his confidence comes back, and then he can race the rest of this race and be a little bit more confident, and then he'll confidently make the pass for first and confidently ride through the finish line and finish. It's going to be interesting to see if his confidence <laughs> comes back. That's the other, their, their verbal ticks. You know, the, it's going to be interesting to see. It'll be exciting to see. Uh, I can't wait to see. It's going to be interesting to see. And it's like, well, we know it's going to be interesting right. to see. That's, that's why we're watching the races. And um, it, it, was, it was a very clear comparison between um between chad and and ricky because ultimately what chad did is he filled in as like a color guy and you could kind of hear that ricky was a little bit uh i don't want to say intimidated but threatened by what chad was bringing to the table but ricky had no answer for what he was doing and he just kept bringing up he's riding good He's looking strong. He looks confident. And and Chad's like, well, I mean, he hit the sand and he wasn't expecting to hit a spot where there was going to be hard packed dirt underneath. And he hit his front brake and that caused his uh, his rear wheel to come off the off the ground, which didn't allow him to make the turn completely. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then (laughs) Eli said that exact thing happened. In his interview after the race. It was great. Oh, the other breakdown chat, he had. He was talking about some rhythm sections and some of the different rhythms that guys were taking. Something I have even said on this podcast, 
is the type of stuff we want to see. What? Why do guys take a certain rhythm versus another rhythm? Which one is faster? Like breakdowns like that, not just it's interesting to see he's really smooth in that rhythm section. Well, we know he is. Why? So uh, Chad did that. He talked about <coughs> the uh, the triple going right before the finish line. And he actually ended up mentioning it to Ken Roxon. He said that Eli, and I forget who the other rider was, but was one of the only two riders doing that certain rhythm. And he's like, that's going to give them a huge speed advantage. Yep. Perfect, perfect breakdown, perfect strategic analysis of what's going on in the races, which what you hire color guys. Look, I get Ricky is the greatest rider of all time. He understands racing as good as anybody. He is really, really bad at verbalizing it in any type of way. Uh, Chad clearly has that so uh chad if this ever gets out to you for the love of god please we're gonna make a petition like we need to get him in the booth because that was that was the his coverage was the best coverage we've ever had in the sport i completely agree ralph and ricky both need to be fired i'm 100 i like i want to i want to make this on like petition.org or whatever it is whatever it is i want to make this petition i want will and i want chad and i know chad you know He's doing his farewell tour, but <clears throat> maybe after the season. Maybe though, after you know? the like, what's season. What's he doing after the season? Right. He can still be involved in the sport and also show up for the races and exactly. do some color. I think that would be great. Ralph still said literally nothing the entire time. Nothing um, at all. Nothing had, of any substance. And that's what it is. They say things that sound like something a professional should say in a way that a professional would say it. But the things they say have absolutely zero substance to them. The big one. So when he asked uh, when Clout had gone from a 450 to a 250. <laughs> this is the best one. This is great. So uh, Ralph asked Ricky a logical question. What are the struggles we, we talk about going 250 to 450s all the time. So yep. it was an interesting perspective that we should have gotten. We didn't. Um, Ralph asked Ricky, what are the struggles and what kinds of things do you have to adjust for when going from the 450 back to a 250? And Ricky said, well, the 450s have more torque and power. And, you know, the 250s, well, well they have less torque and power. <laughs> and... And that was really the essence of what he said. Yeah. And like, look, I get what he was trying to say because again, Ricky knows the sport. What he was basically saying is, Clout has to be more aggressive on his uh, throttle and with the bike because he has less torque and power to work with. He has to push the bike harder. Right. But Ricky didn't say that. Ricky and, just said that the 450 has more torque and power, and the 250 has less torque and power. Thanks, Ricky. Appreciate it. And and also, he went on like a 30 second rant. In between those two parts, so in between him saying that the 450 has more power and the 250 has less power and saying he needs to be more aggressive on his bike because he's riding a bike with less power, there was like 30 seconds of ramble. Ramble. It was terrible. It was awful. It Yeah, it was the low light of Ricky's night. Besides getting completely shown up by Chad. Which was just, not the highlight of Ricky's night, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Wait, so if it's... Not if it's his low light, then it's not his. So we need both. If the 450 has more torque and power, <laughs> I does that actually mean the 250 has less? Do we need to hear both? I think we need to hear both to fully understand that. I, I the sarcasm I'm, is real, by the way. I'm if not, not picking up on this. I'm not yeah, clear. I'm not clear. Thanks for the clarification, Ricky. <laughs> uh, all right. So we did our coverage thing. We you know we talk about it all the time. We are really trying to bring a better. Uh, type of coverage obviously we don't do the live coverage which i'm pretty sure at this point you and i could do better than them um but the recaps and the analysis uh which you just really don't get so let's get into the recaps and the analysis let's do it um 250s first of all everything about yesterday was the riders you wanted to see battling in both classes the riders you wanted to see battling were battling absolutely and a couple more and a few others yeah um it it, it even 
even in the heats. That was the biggest thing is, uh, you know, on a really good night, you see a really good main. Uh, on a good night in Supercross, you might see one good main, either 450s or 250s. Um, last night, uh, the 250s is an okay main. I, there was some back, some back and forth stuff. Um, I'll give it a score of like thought, an eighty-five. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a solid main because you know you still had a little bit of the battling. Uh, Cooper really wasn't in the battle until the end. You know when he when he moved up. So really, it was between Forkner and Ferrandez. Right. And um, you know Forkner didn't put much, uh, much of a fight afterwards. So, but it was still it was who you wanted to see out with a clear track, and I think that that alone made it a really good race. Not not one of the best we've seen, but. But the heat races, both of them, A+. plus. Oh, so good. Like, Moseman, out of nowhere. McAdoo, out of nowhere. Um, Ferrandis and, and Forkner were, were in in the battle in the heat races. There was back and forth. Ferrandis kept making mistakes and going back and then making passes. It was... Cooper had to go to the LCQ because he got taken out. Seriously. Like, it was it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Exciting and, races, and even in the heats. Moseman has my favorite style. Uh, he does something that I wish every rider would do, and that is immediately, immediately after he gets passed by anybody on the track, he goes right back after him. Yeah. Not he, enough riders do that. He is so counter-regressive to a pass it doesn't matter when the pass happens and what turn the next turn, if not the one after that, he's coming back after you and trying to take it back. He's going to make you fight for it. And it's so exciting to watch when he does that. Yeah, he definitely does not roll over. He is the opposite of Sianci Rulo. Yes. Oh, we are gonna get to that. We'll get that to guy. it, but Oh man. Um You're right. You're right though. Like he doesn't adversity roll over. seems to make him work harder. Yeah. You know, um, and that's that's a testament to him and hopefully I think he's 20 years old. Yeah. And I know he the night did not end well for him yesterday. He had that big crash, he was taken out, but hopefully he can kind of figure some things out and put some pieces together. I'd love to see him riding up front with those guys with the style that he has. If he can get that pace going to keep up with those three and start actually taking some wins and competing for a championship. And then you talk about, can you imagine the first time Ferrandis does one of his bully moves on Moseman, but there's a championship points on the line and what Moseman's going to do coming back. Oh my uh, God. Uh, He's going to uh, counter bully uh. the crap out of him. It's going to be great. So, um, you want to jump into the results here and we yeah. can start breaking it down. Let's do it. All right. So let's talk. Uh, let's go to, we'll go to top eight here. Because okay. uh, Hero of the Day finished 8th today. <sighs> he's moving in the wrong direction, man. He's moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, he's still steady in the championship race here, though. So let's go 8-1. to one. All right. 8-1. Uh, to one. All So right. Hart and Raft are Hero. Yep. Hero Raft. <laughs> so Hart and Raft uh, finished 8th. Um, he had a start of number 7. So... Um, he got shuffled back a little bit after the start, though. There was a little bit of, in the main, there was a little bit of uh, traffic coming out of that first turn. A bunch of riders got bum, uh, bundled up, and he got shuffled back a little bit. So he, he came, technically came in seventh in the whole shot. And I, th- I want to say he ended up in, like, 11th or 12th. Yeah, he definitely he got shuffled back. He had to kind of work his way back up. And, and so worked his way back up to an eighth. He could not pass Clout uh, yesterday. Like it was, right. It was... That was one like once he got got up on clout and tried to tried to make that pass, it just wasn't happening for him at that point. And then uh, 
Number seven, we had Derek Drake. Um, Drake, who has, for the past couple of weeks, Drake has just kind of put him... He, he seems to be in the middle of battles. He's not actively in the battles, but he... he just ends, around he, them. Right. He ends up being in on or around the battles. And when you're in the 250s and you're trying to learn and you're trying to gain that experience, those are the kind of places you want to be because you're going to learn the most from those types of situations. Right. So, you know, maybe a good thing for him. Yep. And then uh, right in front of uh, Drake in number six spot, we had Mitchell Oldenburg, who we actually get a fun fact about uh, yesterday during the broadcast. Mitchell Oldenburg, who is on uh, a Honda this year, ended up on a Honda team by DMing somebody on Instagram, the uh, the, the owner. owner of the the Honda team that I can't remember the name of the Honda team that he's on. Well, we are not obligated to spout sponsors every single time yeah. we're on a bike, so I'm not worried about it. He's on a, <laughs> he's on a red bike. The reason he's on a red bike is because he DM'd somebody on Instagram, which I thought was uh, kind of cool. I, that's if there is a more modern 20 <laughs> year 2020 way of making moves and putting yourself in positions dming somebody on on instagram is the most like definitive absolutely millennial gen gen right. type the, of way to do it the only the only way it could have been any worse is if he snapchatted somebody and right, got right. <laughs> snapchatted um, himself on a on, on a bike and like you know added freaking uh, you know, the owners and stuff, and they snapped back, hey, want to ride? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then uh, right in front of Oldenburg was his teammate, Luke Clout, who actually had a really solid night, uh, both heats and in the main. Um, so he was the one who came, he came from overseas. Yep, on a Australian. Um, and jumped down onto a 250, right. which is what prompted the whole, what he had to adjust to situation. But uh, yeah, he looked solid yesterday. It's absolutely. He yeah. was tough to pass. Um, for which sure, Hart and Raft learned, and um, Hart ramped, Hart ramped, yeah. the hero, the hero. Um, so he learned that. So he, but every all night when people were trying to make passes on him, he was he was difficult to pass, which I think is going to serve him well moving forward. Yep. Uh, then we had Alex Martin, who uh, in fourth. That's a little That's bit his best finish of the year, isn't it? I I. It has to be, right? Believe it is. I, he hasn't been on the podium, I don't think. Um, his average finish. His average finish is sixth. It's all uh, all season. Okay. So uh, I'd have to go look back. I'm not. Sh- I don't think he's podium though. No, and what we've talked about it's it stood out to us because we expected a lot from him this year, and he just hadn't really been able to put it together he hadn't really shown up he had some bad 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 luck you know on the track yeah. bad track luck um but to see him up and forth is good i think that's going to be great for his confidence he actually started up higher than that and just kind of got shuffled back a little yeah, bit yeah he so, took the whole shot yeah um so i think you know again it's going to depend on the person some people are going to look at it and say well i was in the whole shot and got shuffled back but he can also look at it as a positive and say i was riding up with the fastest riders and i finished just outside the podium right um Another thing about uh, Alex, uh, made an observation last night. Alex is riding on a bike. I'm not sure if you guys remember um, this this brand of bike. It's called the Suzuki. Yeah, I think they're the yellow ones, right? Yeah. Um, 
We don't <laughs> we don't see much of this anymore. Two. There was two in the main event of the four fifties. And he was the only Suzuki in the main event of the two fifties. Wow. That's so there's three three Suzuki's took place out of forty four bikes. And you have to remember, two of the greatest riders of all time at any at given points in their career were on Suzuki's. Yeah, Bubba. Um, yeah, and Ricky rode a Suzuki for a while too. I think was and that Dungey. So three of some of the greatest riders of all time, and then so we talked about Davey Millsaps is probably the last like notable name that we can remember on a Suzuki, right. um, and it's just been completely downhill. Absent. It's just from it. com- competing at all. And, I mean, clearly they're not throwing money at it. Right. Um, so I just wonder if it's a thing that Suzuki just stopped caring. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe they did some some uh, sales breakdown and were like, yeah, this isn't really worth throwing money at because it's not selling bikes for us. Probably because their riders haven't been, been winning. winning. Right. So, um, then... Uh, then we go into our big dogs. Uh, after that, we get into the top three. Cooper finished third, who uh, started the race pretty rough. He started out. In... He was in that big mess in that first yeah. lap, so he got he got back. He started off pretty far back. Um, he started out in sixth, so he yep. wasn't he wasn't too far back, but he definitely turned it on in probably the last few laps. Few few yeah few few laps few minutes in the in the race total. He made some moves, found himself up uh, onto uh, the podium. So you and I have different uh, perspectives on Justin Cooper. We were talking about it watching the uh, the race replays this morning before this. Um, I feel like what grabbed my attention for Justin Cooper last year or in the outdoors, uh, you know, when we really started, uh, particularly in the outdoors, um, was his just overall speed. He had the – for me, he had the type of speed – that could keep up with like the the Forkners and the Ferranises, but he was also incredibly consistent. And what I've seen outside of the first, I think, two races this year, uh, where he won and then uh, finished second, was he doesn't seem to have the speed right now. He has some of the consistency, and he definitely has the uh, um, you know he he's had a couple of rough rough outings and some some, <laughs> some <laughs> yeah. nasty crashes and situations happen, but there's. The only way I can describe it is something seems off with him the past few weeks for me. Um, and I just, I'm wondering if it's a mental thing. I'm wondering if, you know, in trying to be more mature and consistent and safe, he kind of lost a little bit of the edge that I felt like he was going to have. Um, and it was there a little bit of a trade off there. Now, you, you liken him more to like a uh, Dungey. Right. I just think that's, that's his game. I think he's a consistent rider. They, they actually did mention that he had been sick for the past couple of days. Um, so he probably had that working against him, uh, last night, but, uh, on top of that, I mean, he, he was sick if he's been sick for the past couple of nights or for the past couple of days. And then, um, he had a rough heat run, like right at the end of the heat, uh, he got, yeah, he, went he got run off, he got run off and he couldn't get his bike started and he had to go to the LCQ. So not only is he sick, but he's got to do. Basically an extra race. An extra race, yep. And uh, and he still finished up on the podium. So I think that's just it's really a Definitely testament, a testament to, to him. Yeah, it's just that's I feel like that's his game, and um, 
considering the people that he is riding against, so you've got Ferrandis and Forkner, who have they have tremendous upside, but they also have they they ride on the edge, and um, I mean he's he's in second in the points now, but if you look at average finishes over the the course of the season so far. He has a 3.4, and the next closest is Ferrandez with a 3.6. Yeah, and he's still, so he's still looking great. He's still obviously in a, in a, in a prime position. Um, I think what I want to see from him, and sickness, everybody's been sick at this point. So yeah, they I, I'm all just, have. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to just skirt around it because at this point, if you're sick, you're sick. You have a bad night. He ended up making up for it with the podium. Great. Um I want to see. I, I just. I want to see him competing for a win again. Yeah. Here soon, and I think that's really been the biggest thing is that you know after those first two races where he he dominated race one, uh, for the most part. And I know Forkner had his mishap in the first week, uh, and then Forkner comes back and he was up there fighting with Forkner for a decent part of that second race. Right. I felt like we were going to be seeing more of that. A lot of like what we're getting right now in the four fifties from from Cooper. We really haven't. So. Um, I think for him mentally, you need to see him kind of get back up there and start pushing for wins, not just podiums. Because he he squeaked out that podium towards the end by by having to climb back into it. It wasn't one of those he was up front with those three and just finished third out of the three. You right. Know? Yeah, he had to battle into that spot. Right. So then we had the uh, the two the two guys who had definitely the best night uh, for sure. I I don't I don't even think Cooper was even close in third. No. He was no, like no, no, he was, was like no 10, yeah, was, 10 seconds back or something back like that. Which third. on this track, ten seconds is a huge. Massive. It, it was a huge. It, it just wasn't a fast track, which made it pretty interesting. And we'll we'll probably talk about the track a little bit yeah. after. Um, but Forkner finished in second, um, and Ferrandis finished in first. Those two battled. They battled. Uh, it's they awesome. Yeah, it was great to see. Um, both of them made mistakes. Forkner made more mistakes, which is what cost him, um, cost him the 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 spot. I mean, well, I think the biggest mistake Forkner made against Ferrandis was not checking up on the uh, aggressive pass by Ferrandis. Yeah, uh, you know, it looked like he kind of tried to either push through it or just you know get by without checking up, and it ended up pushing him off the track, and that's when he made the pass. It wasn't as much as we call Ferrandis the bully. We, you and I talked about it the same thing. That was about as clean and aggressive pass as you can get. Right. Um, it was. It was. He took him high. He went up in on him, but he didn't, you know, ram into him. He didn't Christian Craig him. Right. You know, uh, at that point, you know, I, I think Forkner needs to check up more. And yeah. just swallow his pride a little bit, check up, and then come back at him. Instead, he he – he didn't and went off track and then he lost his spot and he ne- just never got close again after that. Right. Yeah. It, it, you could look at it in, in two different ways. You could say, oh, that was an aggressive pass and that's why um, Forkner went off track. But I think the more realistic way of looking at it is that um, Ferrandis made a pass and Forkner was too aggressive in trying to not get past. Right. And that caused him to go off track. Right. Um, Smart racing is going to win you more races than aggressive racing. Right. Um, And when you know you're getting past and there's not much you can do about it, you need to make the smart move and just make sure you're setting yourself up for a counter pass. Right. Um, If you're trying to power through something that has no chance of saving the position for you, 
you're going to end up off track or you're going to end up on the ground or you're both going to end up on the ground and that doesn't work out for you or anybody. Right. So I think, uh, I think Forkner just got a little too big for his britches. Forkner I, is cocky. He is cocky. And I, I, he, I think he got on a roll because he had an answer for everything that Moseman threw at him as a counterpunch in the heat race. And I think that's exactly what happens. What happened in the main, he got overconfident, overconfident in his ability to block a pass from somebody behind him and it just didn't work out in his yeah, favor. Well, it doesn't time. work out when you're trying to do that to the defending 250 champ. Exactly. You know, um, and that's, yeah, that's the difference. Uh, Ferrandis was fine. I thought that was, it was a clean race. He was fast all night. There was really, for me, no doubt that he was the rider that should have won. Yep. Um, he was, he was the fastest rider on the track all night. Agreed. Uh, For- Forkner looked good for a lot of the night too. Here's the thing about Forkner, right? I wrote this down. Um, I've noticed Two or three times now, Forkner has dominated in the heat, made a mention of dominating in the heat and how he wanted to do that same. Basically got cocky from winning a heat, talked about how cocky he was and how he's going to do that in the main. And we're going to go out and we're going to crush the main and we're going to beat these guys in the main. and We're going to wipe the floor with these guys in the main and I want a huge gap in the main. (laughs) Every time he said something along those lines. He's screwed up and not won that main. Yeah, his wins have come on nights where he's been a little bit more either didn't win the heat or he's been a little bit more um, reserved for him. You know, not coming out and basically just being like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna wreck these guys." Like, basically, when he keeps his head and ego in check, he is better on the track. Right. So I just, for me, I always like seeing that. Like, I'm gonna wipe the floor with you, and then, well, every time you've said that, you haven't. So, right. Eh, keeping his head in in, in check that seems to be. Uh, a problem for him he's just he's just a cocky kid yeah and well so maybe maturity changes that yeah you know maybe as he gets older maybe as as you know things that work against lesser competition don't work against the coopers and the ferrandises of the world um you know he starts to learn that just being cocky and more aggressive isn't going to win you races being smarter and faster is going to win you more races right so let's go into the uh, the point standings. We got through eight through number one. It's heating up, man. Yeah, it it's is definitely heating up. So, Ferrandis took the uh, the red number plate this week. He did. So he took the the uh, first place spot, um, and that is his second win of the year. The biggest difference I've seen in Ferrandis has been his starts. So we we talked about at the beginning of the of the season he just kind of didn't show up. Yep. Um he was starting back eighth, ninth, tenth, like and he had to fight his way back. Um the past couple of weeks, his starts have been far, far better. And now that you've seen him starting up front, you're seeing him finish up front. Exactly. So go figure, better starts equals more points and better finishes equals he's got the red plate next week. And rightfully so. Yep. I he started off number three uh, in the number three spot last night. And he took the win. Absolutely, his his average start on the season is still nine point five because he's had some <laughs> it terrible, was so bad, for terrible a while. spots. But um, that puts him up to uh, a one hundred and nine total on the season, and uh, gets him the red number plate. And then close on his heels, still uh, Justin Cooper, who is at a one hundred and seven. So two he's point, only two points down. Two points down. Um, and but I think the the more important um, place here, honestly, at this point, the way that that Cooper is is riding right now is Forkner in number th- in the number three spot. He is ten points down from the number one spot with ninety nine points. So 
We've got a 10 point gap between one and three right now. This is it's tight. This is good. Uh, this is really good. And even number four. Where is he? The, the hero, hero. The hero of the day. He's at 92 points. Is that 17, He's 17 points, points down. So there's a 17 point difference between first and fourth right now. I mean, now. we've seen 17 points between first and second before. Yeah. So uh, this the, is great. And they they well, what do they? They have one more. One more week. We had two Anaheims, a Glendale, um, an Oakland, and a St. Louis. So we're about to go into week six. Week six. So we've got San Diego next week. So that's still West. And then Tampa. So there's one week left in this. Wow. Before they go, before they switch over to East Coast. So, um, this, you know that that actually, I you know I always forget they have such a short season. Um, it was going that kind of steals my thunder a little bit because my thought was going to be to this point in their season, um, we've seen how fast Forkner can be, but he's been inconsistent and make and mistake prone. Uh, Cooper hasn't been quite as fast, but he's been fairly consistent. But if you were to ask me right now, if I got to choose who the champion was, not based on points, but just based on the eye test and watching these races, I'm giving it to Ferrandis. Right. Probably be pretty close because Cooper's been fairly consistent and Forkner's really fast, but it's Ferrandis. He's been out. He's been able to make the most of his bad starts. And when he does start, he finishes. So, I mean, what if next week we get a... Cooper, or I'm sorry, a Forkner, number one, Cooper, number two, Hartranth, number three, and Ferrandis, number four. You're talking about the most exciting finale to a 250 season I think we might have seen, like, ever. ever. Because they're all going to be within a race. And like and not like, oh, you got to hope this guy finishes ninth or tenth. Like, like just finish ahead of him and you can steal this thing. Like, right. Uh, that, that would be amazing. And then you go into the uh, East-West Showdown. With a championship with, on the line between four riders. Right. Like, that'd be... It's incredible. ...ideal. So, I guess we're rooting for Forkner and Cooper to finish up front next week to kind of keep things close right. from Ferrandis. Okay. All right. I know what we're rooting for. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, it's been a super exciting 250 season. Yeah. So far. It's exactly super close. It's very close. In our preview, we talked about just how wide open and exciting this 250 season was going to be. It's lived up to every... All of it. Yeah. Depth. Depth of talent. Depth of talent. I think we ran through our two fifties, man. <laughs> awesome. Uh great racing yesterday. The heats were great. The freaking the main the, the main event in the two fifties were great. The broadcast sucked as always. So yeah. um but what really got me excited is what we're gonna talk about right after we take a break. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. I've been saying it a couple weeks now at least. If we are getting Tomac, Roxon, 1-2, more or less, for the rest of this season, battling it for the championships, is going to be one of the most exciting seasons we have had in a long time. And guess what we're getting right now? We are getting We're that. getting it. We're getting Tomac, Roxon. And I know Webb snuck his little butt in there towards the end, which was a <laughs> great move, by the way. We'll, we'll definitely get to that. Um, this race was about Roxon and Tomac. And, you know, coming off of... An alarm car outside <laughs> that's making a lot of noise. An alarm car? Uh, are an you alarm Ricky? Car. Are I, you Ricky? I just Ricky Carmichael that. <laughs> he, he was talking like that's... Yoda last night. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. He's, he just, he, was, he just, you know, he hilled the jump and jumped and, and landed tough blocks on the out jump. 
And it was like, Ricky, are you having a stroke having right a now? Stroke? Like, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I totally just pulled that alarm car. Um, <laughs> we are getting Tomac, Tomac and Roxanne, and last night was about Tomac and Roxanne. That's what everyone's got. Yes. Because after last week with the restarts and Roxanne just dominating on, on those races, the first one in particular where it felt like Tomac was on his tail but couldn't quite make the pass, you were wondering, and, and they did mention this to their credit, is that – Tomac has to be able to pass Roxon when they're one two. Yeah. Because if he can't, that's the type of thing that will get into your head. Can I just not pass this guy? Can I just not pass this guy? Well, he did it twice yesterday. And um he looked Tomac Tomac was Tomac yesterday. Tomac that was, that Tomac. was what we needed yeah. to see. A couple of mistakes because we're used to seeing those, but he made up for them. He was Tomac with the exception of one thing. Tomac started in number three position last night. Right. Yes. And if Tomac has fixed his starts, if that's indicative of where we're moving forward, oh man. We're in Good for luck, it. everybody else. Right. Except for Roxon, because Roxon's starts have been consistently solid all year. Yes. Absolutely. He is the uh statistically he is the best starter in the field. We have been waiting for these two to be healthy and on their game and battling it out for a championship. And for a few weeks now, since they've both kind of turned it up, we're getting that. Um, last night was just indicative. Like, here we are again. So the, last week it was Rox and Tomac. This week it's Tomac, Roxon, and Webb. Um, right. But as far as, you know, who the best riders on the track are and where they're finishing. Um, yeah, Webb, Webb had a good last um, five minutes of the race is really what it was. Yeah. A, not just a good... Webb had a great last five minutes of the race, and that's why he is thrown into that conversation. Right. A phenomenal pass yeah. on that last turn. Like, you just, the way he just caught underneath mid jump and, um, you know, bumped Roxon a little bit, threw him off his game. It wasn't an aggressive bump or anything. He just, he cut inside. Roxon tried to stop him, and he just wasn't able to. And Webb yep. made that pass right before the last jump. Good on Webb, but again, Roxon still gets, in my mind, he was number two in the, as far as like who. Overall performance. Overall performance. Thank you um, for last night. For yeah. sure, it was. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, Webb's Webb basically had the opposite race that Cianciarulo had last night, um, <laughs> which uh, there was uh, four fifty heats again. The heats were awesome, um, but the heat performances didn't necessarily translate into the main. Um, Baggett was a big one. Baggett looked like he was going to compete to win last night in the heat race. If you went off of the heats, Baggett would have been untouchable. Yeah. If he, if he performed anywhere close to the way he did in the heat, he would have been untouchable that whole right. race. And it just it didn't translate to the main at all. And then Hill yeah, in the other heat, uh, which was good to see, but, you know, didn't translate again. Yeah. Anderson and Barsha, um, they, I mean, they finish where Anderson and Barsha have been finishing basically um just good enough to get the points and stay where the points need to be I am officially parking the bam bam bandwagon for myself that's it yes yeah. I'm, I'm putting it back in the garage I'm gonna you know work on it a little bit in the off season and then I'll, I'll get it back out of the garage maybe next year if he comes out and wins a1 again I don't but know man just, he's doing what I we've known him to do and what I exactly what I said I hoped he didn't do after those first couple of weeks and that's just go from holy crap he's competing for a championship to he's probably just going to sit 5th and 6th for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean that's possible. There's a lot of there's a lot of good riders here. Um 
he definitely needs to there was parts in the race where you could see that he absolutely turned it on and was just going to work on people but um his his overall performance last night just it was just meh yeah and that's kind of what we're seeing him fall back down to earth a little right. bit and that's why i just i was ready man i had my ticket i was gonna jump on the bandwagon he just needed one more solid top performance and he just he, i just he hasn't been able to do it yet um he even more meh than barsha though was anderson um who finished fifth had a start in seventh you'd think a guy like anderson starting in seventh would be able to make moves. Yeah, you would you think it would put him in a position to fight for a podium. Just didn't happen. No. Just didn't now, happen. Now, and now, granted, so last night the thing with the 450s was the podium riders were far and away faster than everybody else. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, Tomac and Roxon had basically checked out at the beginning of the race, right. and then Webb fought his way back up, and once he got into third, I mean, that was it. it yeah, was... as soon as as soon as soon Webb made the move around Ciancio Rulo, first of all, Ciancio Rulo just flat up dropped. He dropped off the pace as soon as Webb passed him, I mean, to the point where when Webb passed him, Ciancio Rulo was like, I think he was three seconds back from first place. No, he, it was, it, so it was three seven, or four. It was seven seconds back, and Anderson was seventeen seconds back. And by the time the race finished, Cianci Rulo was in like thirteen or fourteen seconds back. Right, and and Anderson was still like in the seventeen. That's right. Yeah, and we were like, is Anderson gonna catch Cianci Rulo? And it was just another black. lap he would have. Yeah, it was just because Cianci Rulo fell off the pace so hard. Like he was just, he might as well have just been riding backwards. It's so that's crazy. something that, you know, we definitely want to talk about. Let's go through the, the standings, uh, the, the results last night, starting what, what do you think? Eighth again? Is that still a good number? Um, Seventh? man, it's, let's go to 13th. Actually, there's a, there's that many relevant riders. Uh, be, we could debate relevance of certain riders, but okay. Yeah. Um, because all right, let's let's start let's start from from uh, eleven. Do it. Let's All right, what 11. do we got? So we had uh, Zach Osborne number eleven. Okay, um, Zach had just a a pretty normal night for him. He uh he he got a good start. He started off in fifth. He got shifted back a lot. Um, he for the past few weeks actually I'm I'm really surprised at, at where he finished last night because for the past few weeks it's looked like Zach has had it in him he to was starting to turn a corner yeah to at least be top 5 um so for him to even finish outside of the top 10 last night there had to have been something going on um because even Stewart finished in front of him Stewart finished in number 10 last night and he again Looked amazing in the whoops and slow everywhere slow else. everywhere else. So do you think – I had this thought while we were watching the races, and I really wanted to ask, do you think Malcolm's relevance at this point is really just a result of his last name? Yes. I because I how many other to think about how it. many other riders would have been get would have gotten as many chances as he has gotten, and with the hype coming into this season to fall straight back to where he has been his entire career without even so much as a sniff of a podium um to me is uh uh unacceptable for for a rider that i just there's obviously potential there there's athletic talent there 
but with the hype that was coming in, you just expected so much more from him from his whole career. And it's maybe unfairly compared to his brother, who is one of the biggest, greatest riders of all time. Right. Um, but I feel like any other rider not named Stewart and related to Bubba would have not gotten as many chances as he's got. Right. Well, I mean, there's definitely there's he has the legacy thing to live up to. He's definitely in the shadow of his brother, and everybody kind of expects him to. I, I mean, how can you be the brother of one of the greatest riders of all time and it not translate to your career? And that, on top of it, um, he does have this uh, physical ability that a lot of the other riders that he is going up against. I mean, we've talked about this in the past where a lot of these riders are, they're physically fit. They're incredibly physically fit, and is, uh, but strong not usually some a descriptor that you would use for a motocross rider they're usually smaller guys um that don't have yeah they're a ad, lot of, they're more agile and it's more about the endurance the agility right. whereas this guy he has the size and phys- and physical strength to manhandle the machine that he is he's riding on um and he's just not able to uh, it, it's almost like that works to his it, it works against him his physical strength it, it, is, is it may a be. detriment it absolutely may be i just feel like he's gotten the the coverage of him and the press of him at this point like you just looking at it you have to say because look at the other riders he finishes around they don't get talked about nearly as much they don't get nearly as much screen time tv time as as he does and i'm not trying to even knock him i just i would just hope that you know, he would have been able to somehow take advantage of the opportunities yeah. and, and the covers that he's gotten. And he didn't. And 10th is probably where he belongs right now. Absolutely. And then uh, number nine, we had the man who showed up in the heat, but not in the main, Blake Baggett. Who? Listen, we talked about debating relevance. Yeah. Um, so far, you've named three riders. And for me, none of those three riders are worth talking about in a championship or even um, top tier rider context. I know that Blake Baggett has that potential. He does. When he is on, but he has never in his 450 career been able to put it together for any stretch of time. No, I I can't argue that point at all. <laughs> so like if Blake Baggett came out and won next week, I wouldn't be surprised. But then I would also expect him to fall back to like ninth and 10th the week after. Right. And that's that's basically just his whole career. Yep. And then, uh, I mean, that pretty much covers Blake's. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Again, um, not much else to say. Um, then we had Justin Hill, who actually had a, he had a pretty solid night last night, um, including in the heat race. Um, he won the heat. Um, uh, he finished eighth last night. Uh, got a decent start. Just had better riders finish in front of him. Yeah, just a, a you know, a good ride for Justin as far as where he's been in the past and just a, a really likable rider that is just another one that if you want to root for him, you're like just just tick it up another notch, right. you know what I mean? Like he's definitely a talented rider. Yep. You can see the way he's he he handles the bike itself. Um and I've watched a few of his like behind the scenes documentaries, things like that and like the dude knows how to put a bike where he wants to put a bike. Yeah. So it's just, I think for him, it's not a matter of technicality. It's probably more a matter of speed, overall speed on the track. Uh, it just doesn't seem to have the same level. Then in number seven, you want to talk about somebody not living up to hype. And this is, I, I've wanted to talk about this guy for a while. Just for some reason, now I'm talking about it. The Andrew Luck of Supercross and Motocross, Dean Wilson. 
<sighs> yeah. I, I, I don't even know what to say about Dean Wilson anymore because he has fallen so far from relevance for yeah, me that I, I just don't even give him a second thought anymore. He's had a lot of injuries working against him, but... Well, at one at what point does some really unfortunate injuries become you are ridiculously injury prone? Well, I mean, let's look at our points leader. Yeah. Our points leader is Ken Roxon, And Ken Roxon, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention for the past few years. He's had some injuries. Yeah. He is definitely injury prone. Like, Tomac has been hurt. Yeah. Unfortunate accidents. Webb has been hurt. Anderson has been hurt. I would not put any of those three in a category of injury prone. Right. Or, for lack of a better word, for Dean Wilson, brittle. Right. Like, this dude is made of straw. (laughs) (laughs) He is not... I don't know what he's eating. I don't know what his bones are made out of. But, good Lord, is this guy injury prone. Yeah. And he was, he had a ton of hype surrounding him, even coming up to the 450s. Um, even after his like first couple of years in the 450s, I think everybody was just waiting for him to turn it on, and it's just not happening. Just not happening. Then we jump up to number six. Now we start getting into relevant riders. Relevant so riders. So for me, we could have started at number six and covered the uh, yeah, relevant you're right. riders. <laughs> you're right. I apologize I to everybody. I don't mind. It's fine. To everybody out there who's been listening to us for the past 15 minutes and I just <laughs> talked about irrelevant riders, I apologize. So Sorry, uh, I made my point. <laughs> <laughs> number six, we had Bam Bam Justin Barsha, um, who had a much better ride than the guy who finished in front of him. Uh, Barsha started in 11th and he made, he made a, the second half of the, he had, there was a tale of two, two races for Barsha. There was the first half and the second half and Barsha turned it on in the second half. You could see it when they actually started showing him. Um, he actually started grabbing the throttle. Yeah. Uh, at, in the second half of the race, he made a lot of moves and he found himself in number six spot after an eleventh start. Um, he, uh, I know you're talking about the you're following you know parking the Bam Bam bandwagon, but um, Barsha seems to be, with the exception of last night with Anderson finishing one spot in front of him, Barsha seems to be finishing in front of, just even if it's just in front of. He still seems to be finishing in front of the people that he needs to finish in front of in order to maintain a spot in the point standings. So you're right. You're absolutely right. I I think the biggest difference in how we're looking at this is I will put a bet right now that Justin Barsha does not win another main. And actually, I would almost be able to be willing to go as far as saying that of his own accord, meaning like he's not in fourth and the three riders in front of him fall go down, he probably doesn't even get on the podium again for the rest of this year. I would be willing to make that bet. And that, to me, tells you everything you need to know about how Justin Barsha has changed from the first two weeks of the season. Well, I'm going to make your point, and I'm not going to take that bet. Is that- <laughs> so, yes, while he may be able to do just enough to maintain a a outside chance at fighting in the, in these point standings, um, he would, to make anything of that opportunity, he would still have to create, you know, points right. by finishing in the podium and winning some races. And I just don't think he's going to do that again. I think we've seen the best of Justin Barsha this year. Yeah. I just, 
I'm, we'll get to the points here in a, in a second. Um, let's just keep going through this. Like I said, we had Anderson. We talked about Anderson earlier. Um, he finished in fifth. Uh, he had a, a start of seventh. He just – it was just a meh. It was just another man. Well, Anderson has just been like okay all season. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yep. He's he's like that guy in high school who just like, you know, after, he's just peaked in high school. <laughs> just living just living that dream. Living, you know, he yeah. won his Supercross championship, and he just seems to be – Coasting. coasting. He's coasting. That's really what it comes down to is it feels like he's coasting. There's, yeah. no, there's no push anymore. Uh, then we had uh, number four, Sientu Rulo. And we talked about him. He had he started in second. He was com- he was competing in the top three, and he had a shot at winning this for 75% of this race. He was in this race. Um, whether he was in second, um, I mean, he... He, he was in second for a decent amount of time. And he he passed. He passed Tomac. Yeah, to initially take second, yeah. Yeah. Um, because Tomac got in front of him first and then uh Rulo passed him back not long after and then uh And then Tomac, Tomac did Tomac, Tomac got things. Him. Right. Um then in front of Well s- real quick with Cianciarulo. Yeah. The thing we've noticed we kinda hinted at it before. The thing we've noticed with him that he is, if he wants to get to a point where he is considered among the guys that he is riding with right now, um, he's got to develop some mental toughness and resiliency. Because every time I've seen something go wrong for him on a track, even if it's something minor, it's that's it. It's in his head, and he is done for the night. He might as well ride off the track into the pits and call it a night. Right. Somebody makes a pass on him, an aggressive pass. He screws up a rhythm and, and almost goes down. He actually goes down. He goes off the track for a little bit. Things that you can salvage. Tomac went off the track, got passed by Roxon, passed him back, and still won the race. Right. That's the kind of mental toughness and resiliency you need to show. Since Rulo is the opposite. Right. Any adversity whatsoever, no matter how small, and he is just done for the night. And he just, it, like, there's no more aggression. There's no more speed. He is just, it's like he's just trying to get through the rest of the race. Yeah, and that's, it, he may have some coaching uh, going on as far as that goes. Because the, um, I know we we talked about him not having mental toughness. But if you think back to the 250 outdoor where he and Ferrandis were battling. Um, there were times when there were times in the outdoor when Ferrandis would get around him and it would look like he was riding way, way over the edge to either keep up or to uh And that's reel where his Ferrandis. mistakes would come from. Right. So I'm wondering if there I'm wondering if there is actually some coaching going on behind the scenes where they're like, you know, this is your rookie season. Yeah. Kind of take it easy. I don't think any coach, though, is going to say, if you see yourself getting mad, let up. They're going to say, if you see, feel yourself getting mad, you feel yourself getting frustrated, take a minute. Right. G- gather yourself, calm yourself, get back into your focus mode, and then get back on it. Um, that's the coaching thing. That's not what he does, though. And and maybe he's not taking the coaching well. but um, Or overcompensating. I think it might be in his head, right, that yeah. he knows that that was an issue for him before of the frustration suddenly pushing him to the edge and making mistakes. So now when something happens that frustrates him or gets him off his game, he's uh, consciously trying to keep it together. But 
by doing that, he has just faded from every single time this has happened. So yeah. something's going on there, and he's definitely got some learning to do before I can even consider him a championship contender. Right. So uh, Sianzu Rulo ended up finishing like 13, 14 seconds back from the first first spot. So then we had the top three riders who were within three or four, three or four other. seconds of each other, um, and Roxon finished in number three. Um, Roxon again took the whole shot. Um, he got out front and he, how many laps did he lead? 13 laps led. And the next closest was Eli Tomac with eight laps led. Yep. So he was out front for the majority of this race. Um, and, and look, he looked solid. Uh, Roxon has finally round back into Roxon form. Right. It seems like where, uh, on any given night, he's one of the fastest riders out there. He's smooth. He's great through the whoops. Um, he did seem like, and he actually mentioned in his interviews, he was fighting the track a little bit last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't work in his favor. I mean, it. It like I said, it. It wasn't a very fast track. Um, There's a lot of turns. Even when they were showing those aerial shots of it, mm-hmm. it looked. It was v- very cramped. It, yeah. Um, they packed a lot, a they, lot into a small space. Exactly, and uh, that kind of uh, that kind of track just doesn't seem to work well for Roxon. Roxon um, is a real, he's a flow guy. He's really smooth, um, and so it was just, a bit more of a technical track. Yeah, and for somebody who's a little bit less tech, like I mean, Roxon's technique is great, but, but he's, he's technically good. But he's much more, like you said, speed, smoothness, flow, right? Kind rhythm, of a thing. rhythm, and, and it was it, there was definitely not much rhythm to to that track last. And night. And he said that um, even in his practices and qualities, like from from the very beginning of the day, uh, he was really just fighting the track. So one. He was fighting the track, got a whole shot, led 13 laps, and still finished third. Right. Uh, good on him because that is what you need to do to win championships. And that tells me that he is absolutely, you know, 1A or 1B as far as who's going to win this championship this year because that's the kind of thing he needs to do when he's not feeling it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, really the only reason he finished third is because Cooper turned it on for like the last four or five laps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cooper so, just did random out of nowhere Cooper things that yeah. we weren't expecting. And uh, <laughs> so Cooper finished um, second and uh, he started in fourth. Um, it definitely, he, he, he was basically in fourth the whole, almost the whole, race. the whole race. Um, right up until he passed the answer, which was really what three quarters of the way through the race. If not no, more. no, it was it was like within four laps left in the race I because Sancho chilled up there for a little while. I'd have to go back and look at the actual like when when it happened, but I mean either way, Cooper was chilling back there for a little while. Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty sure Cooper t- actually got onto the podium when he passed Sancho There was probably only one or two laps left in the clock before we got the two left. Right. Okay, so more than 75% of the time. Way yeah. Okay. Significantly so just, more. But point majority of the race he was chilling in fourth. Yeah. Um yeah, and then suddenly just came out of nowhere and just, out of and nowhere. just ripped it. Like it was really really impressive. And I actually remember saying that when he passed the answer Ulu, I was like, "Wait a second. He's not that far back from Roxon. He right. might be able to catch Roxon." I didn't think it was going to happen. And then he, he just did. He did it last turn. Great, great, great job. And then on top we had Eli Tomac. My man. Yeah. He had uh he he looked like he was struggling for the first half of the race a little bit. Um he was he it seemed like he was 
keeping pace with Roxon, um, while also falling back a little bit. Uh, I, he may have been just kind of sitting back and, and observing. Uh, I'm not sure really what what was going on. Um, there was gaps. There was no gaps. There was gaps. There was no gaps. And then all of a sudden, he made the move. Um, there was two two passes for first, wasn't there? Yeah. He remember, he went off the track. That's right. He went off the track. And then came back and passed him again. Right. So, um, Tomac was definitely... This this track is the opposite for Tomac. Just dropping stuff, man. Every <laughs> every, every week, I'm been, pretty sure I dropped that it's, pen. It's at least three or four in a row. I I'm not getting it for you this time. Oh, I got it. All right. So <laughs> this track worked in uh, Tomac's favor. For this, just it, it was just a Tomac track. I feel like there was a sand section, which I I feel like Tomac always with. Which is what caused his his, his slip his slip, slip last night. But sand sections seem to work in Tomac's favor yep. um, because, I don't know, he's like the sand bomber. I don't know what's going on with that. But um, he's just a, mo- he's a more aggressive rider than Roxon is. So stuff like that just kind of works in his favor. Sure. Um, he's also um, – Roxon is great in the turns. Tomac's Tomac's turn speed is insane. It's which is why this track probably worked well for him too, because it's not just his his ability to maintain speed in the turn. Which I know we we saw we see memes of Tomac all the time where they're like, "Bro, are you are you standing on the pegs in that turn?" <laughs> like everybody else sitting down and Tomac's actually up on his yeah. standing up on his bike going through a turn. But his ability also to just hit the gas coming out of the turn, yep, and and just getting the drive. So one of the passes out. he set up on Roxon was almost exactly what you were talking. It might have been the first time he passed him. I'm not sure. It was one of the two, uh, but it was that section where it was a 90 degree right uh, table, uh, 90 degree right into a tabletop, and then that tabletop went into a 180 degree turn back into a rhythm. Right. Uh, so you know which one I'm talking about, yep. right? Where. Um, a lot of the riders would either cut up into the 90 degree and kind of go inside outside into that straight so that they were on the inside coming around the 180 or like Tomac did almost every time they'd hit the outside, carry all their momentum around that 90 degree turn, launch over the tabletop and still land on the inside on that right. 180. So Roxon went inside on that and and Tomac who was, Decent ways behind him carried so much momentum around that turn that by the time they landed, Tomac was up next to him, had the inside and made the pass around the 180 right. turn. And it's exactly the kind of thing that Tomac does, right? Like the turn speed and the momentum he's able to carry through turns is unbelievable, which is, I think, a huge reason he's so great in the whoops because all these whoop sections come after crazy turns. Right. So he's carrying so much momentum, he doesn't have to just get back on it before the whoops, he's already on it. Right. Yeah, and that was I think that was the biggest difference between um, and then they they mentioned during the broadcast last night um, this type of track definitely works in Cooper's favor too. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a Cooper type track, and what it, uh, what did Chad call him? The Beast of the East. Yeah, um, yeah, cause East Coast rider, East used Coast kind of the ruddy, uh, just, just chunked up, yeah. tough, yeah, tough exactly. tracks. You know, and I agree with that. I completely agree with that. All right, and that gets us through number one. You want to go through – let's go through season standings now. 
Yeah, because uh, once again, we're still pretty tight. Uh, we are really tight. Especially really with tight. the two. Uh, this is it. This is shaping up to be exactly what we wanted. Yeah. Somebody to challenge Tomac. Roxen back into form. Two riders we've wanted to see battle for years have been battling for a couple weeks now, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. We had the scare with Roxen in the leg kind of at the end there he was limping and he said it was swelling up so he was standing on the podium though so it doesn't seem like it was too serious (laughs) um so hopefully he's fine for next week so we have two battles two battles going on here in the 450s so we'll we'll go through um we'll go through number six because once you get down to number seven who is malcolm stewart it's irrelevant at that point um so obviously we have our number one, Ken Roxon, with the red number plate. Um, he is at a hundred and thirteen points, and number two we have Eli Tomac with a hundred and ten points. Oh, that's so good. There's, I know, that's so good. It, Three each one point of them, gap. That is a first and a second away from each other. Yeah. Like, there's a chance. If Tomac wins next week and Roxon finishes second, they'll be tied. They'll be tied. And they'll just be going back and forth. Like If these two swap the red number plate for the rest of the season, I will be so happy <laughs> to see just this crazy back and forth. So we have um, the the difference between the two of them as far as, I mean, it's it's very, it's a tight race right now, but the difference between the two of them as of right now is... Uh, Roxon's got four hole shots on the season. His average start of 2.8. Nobody's even close to him as far as average starts. No, no he is up front every single race. Every single race. And and the average start for Tomac is ninth. Yeah, and that's after starting up front finally last night. So, right. I, I mean. And then, we, and then also looking at uh, laps led, um, on the season, we've got laps led 43 by Roxon, 25 by Tomac. Um, so there's a, there's a um, Roxon has been better so far this season. He's been uh, better, definitely. but as far as the laps led, you could go as far as to make a case that Tomac so far has been the closer. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what Tomac that's what, does, though. That's what Tomac Don't. does. <laughs> because... He's never been really great at starting, but he is damn good at finishing. And that's actually a point I wanted to bring up when he was sitting behind Roxon for all that time last night. Um, I had mentioned, like, man, is this going to be another situation where he's right there but can't make the pass? And no, I think he really was watching where Roxon was slower, watching where he was faster. If there is somebody who is better <coughs> than Tomac at reading other riders while he's behind them and then pouncing... I don't know who it is because he is that's what he does. He'll that's why we've seen so many times he'll be behind for a decent part of the race. Um and then suddenly out of nowhere seem like he just turned it on. Well, yeah, he turned it on, but he also turned it on after he figured out where he could turn it on and how right. he could turn it on and where the other rider is going to struggle. And I think he's been doing that to to Roxon. So absolutely he's been the finisher. That's what he does. So I'm I'm just looking at the season laps led here and I just think this is worth worth stating um there have been five five riders to lead at least one lap this season can you name them marcia rocks in tomac uh, uh did sansa lead one 
Yep. Okay, so that's four. And then who's the fifth? Is it Webb? Nope. All right. Um, hold on, hold on. I got this. I got this. Is there any one more rider that led laps? It's it is is a random one, isn't it? Like it's one of those like randomish. Got kind of guy got a hole. Is it Brayton? Nope. Okay, then I don't know. Osborne. Osborne. Okay. So Osborne. Osborne let. Uh, he got a whole shot. And it's probably in the same race. <laughs> yeah. He so he probably got the whole shot, led that first lap, and then like, or you know, led his laps, and then. And there's only last. been three riders to get a whole shot. Because Roxon has just four. dominated yep. in that front, yeah. And then Osborne got one, and Freezy got one. And that so in in order of laps led, uh, we have Roxon with forty three, Tomac with twenty five, Barsha with fifteen, Cianciarulo with seven, and Osborne with one. It's just interesting. 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 It is interesting. It um, is interesting. Also, we are on track for my prediction of six or less winners of races this year. Different, unique winners. Yes, we are. Um, because I, right now it looks like we got the Tomac Roxon groove going. And yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, they took a decent chunk of the next few races. Right. Because we're, yeah, we've got three total winners right now. I still think that there's, I think there, I think Webb's going to steal one. Um, I think Anderson's going to steal one. I think Cianciarulo's going to steal one. I, I'm starting to doubt that one. I don't think he can close right now. No. Nope. So which that would put us at, what, five? Yeah. Yep. And I don't know anybody else right now in that field who I am confident enough to steal one. So, yes. <laughs> we'll see. A prediction that's looking good. I know. We will say, watch. At, at this point, someone's going to get hurt, and we're going to have, like, 18 different winners this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I lost track, actually. So let's we, get back. We covered the, the first two in the point standings. Yeah, so let's get into the um, the race for number three because this is actually really tight, too. Because in um, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, we have Justin Barsha in third, Anderson in fourth, Webb in fifth, and Cianciarulo in sixth with a difference of eight points between all four of them, wow. 98 to 90. So, um, Barsha at 98 points, Anderson at 96 points, Webb at 95, and Cianciarulo at 90. Even there's going to be some shuffling there's, going on There's there. going to be some shuffling there, for sure. For sure there's going to be some shuffling. And Barsha and Anderson better hope that Webb didn't just turn it on because last year, they were talking about it last week in Glendale, that the spot where Webb was going into Glendale last year was actually worse than where he is where he was sitting this year. So, I mean, it's a long. There's still a lot of racing to go left and uh, to, left to go. Ricky. Ah, Ricky, you did it, Ricky. You did it, Ricky. You smarted really good. I smarted. So. They better hope that he doesn't turn it on because just looking at what he did last year from this point on in the series, um, he won the championship. Yeah. He turned it on and he won the championship from Glendale on. Yeah. So there's still definitely a chance for any of these other riders that are that we consider in that top tier to kind of flip a switch. I don't think there's any gap that's so big right now that it's not it's it's insurmountable. Right. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. 
And for me, it's just because I want to see these two just go at it for the rest of the season. Right. But at the same time, for someone like Anderson or, or Webb, if they did turn it on and suddenly start making, I mean, I like, the more the merrier for the fans, right? If we can get two, two or three more riders into this championship race with like legit contenders, winning races, being up front, um, I think that's going to be good. A lot is going to have to change though, because at this point, it's. Tomac, Roxon, and everybody else. Yeah. As far as what I'm seeing on the track, not even just point standing. Like, it is Roxon and Tomac are at the top of their game. They are fighting each other, and everybody else is just watching them run away with it. Right. And it's it's really, even between um, first and third, there's really not that many points. It's a 15-point difference between first and third. But the only reason it's that close is because Roxon and Tomac got started kind of slow. Yeah. They, they took a... Uh, well... Roxon not so much. He started week two. Like he, yeah. he took week one off. I think Tomac took a couple of weeks to kind of start getting his thing together. So right. Uh, I mean, even Ro- I, yeah, both of them took. Most people took week one off. It <laughs> yeah. seemed <laughs> it except really for Barsha. Did. Except for Barsha. Um, yeah. So I guess that means if uh, there was if Roxon, Tomac, Webb, and Anderson were out, we'd be talking about Barsha being the best rider in the field. Is that what we're <laughs> That's saying? That's what we're okay. saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you think? Let's talk about our predictions from last week and make some more before we wrap it up. Yeah, let's do it. So we actually did all right in the 250s last week because we finally played it safe and just picked the top three to finish in the top three. So the only thing that was off was a little bit of the order. Okay. So uh, we had – so was it? it was Ferrandis, Forkner, Cooper. Right. I had Cooper, Forkner, Ferrandis. So okay. I just literally reversed the order. Fine. I'll take that. I still nailed the top three. Uh, you had Forkner, Ferrandez, Cooper. So you actually got Cooper in the right spot, and you just had Forkner and Ferrandez flip. So you, you you edged me out by, like, a just hair. Just a little just bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, really, though, uh, that's still the safe bet moving forward in the 250s. Yeah. So at this point, it's just a battle of who can predict the, the order correctly moving forward. Uh, 450s, it, we were still pretty solid. I don't think either of us expected Webb to do what Webb did. And both of us were giving Anderson more credit than he has earned <laughs> yeah. so far. So I had Tomac, Roxon, Anderson, which had Webb not made that last turn pass, I would have nailed the top two with Tomac and Roxon. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, Roxon finished third, and I had Anderson third. Uh, you had Anderson winning. Whoops. And then Roxon, and then Tomac. So I edged you out a little bit in the 450s. You both had Tomac Rocks in top three. So we're getting better with our predictions. Well, I mean, it's starting to get a little easier because it's kind of starting to iron itself out. It's ironing itself out. Right. At this point, it's not just nailing the top three. It's nailing the order, too. So um, going into San Diego, I'm going to write down my prediction, sir. And then we're going to give me yours. You are going to give me yours. All right, so I I was just trying to look up because uh, Moseman went down pretty hard last night. Um, I was just trying to see if I could find any type of injury update. Of course, I couldn't. No. Um. So that being said, I got mine written down, sir. Give them to me. Okay. Give them to me. Two fifties. Moseman didn't look like he was hurt very badly. I think he I think he scared himself when he went down and thought that he was more hurt than he actually was. Uh, 
I'm a what's our what's our best case scenario here? <laughs> so I'm just trying to see what what do I want to see? I want to see um Ferrandis finish off of the podium, so I'm not even going to put him on there. Um I want to see Forkner finish number 1. So this is you, this is going with your predictions. This All is right. going with my predictions. Yeah, I want to see Forkner finish number one. I want to see um, Cooper finish number two. I want to see Heart Ramp number three. Hero of the day. Hero of the day. All right. So for my two fifties, I decided to just whoop your butt and. Uh, Go with the easy route. So I got Ferrandis winning again next week. Okay. Um, and then I just I switched Cooper and Forkner. So I got Ferrandis, Cooper, Forkner. Um, I think Cooper's knows time is now of the essence. Yeah. And uh, he needs to get his stuff together. So I think we see a little bit of that speed that I felt like we were missing. Um, and I think him and Forkner battling means Forkner makes the mistake and Cooper doesn't. So I think that puts Cooper in second. Okay. And Ferrandis has figured his starts out. And if Ferrandis has actually figured his starts out, he's going to run away um, with the race to me. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen. So that's my 250 prediction. I could see it. I could see it. 450s. You got them written down already? I do. All right. Um, I think we're going to see Webb take his first race next week. Okay. Um. Then I can't. I've, can't in good conscience leave both of the other two so it's gonna go one <laughs> of two ways um i'm gonna go rocks into tomac three all right um so i had i cannot in good conscience at this point go against tomac i feel like he's starting to get into his groove he's now past rocks he that little maybe potential mental roadblock there is out of the way. He knows he can be the fastest rider out on the track. Um, so I took I took Tomac to take down San Diego next week. Number one, I put Rocks in at number two because he hasn't shown me any reason to doubt that he belongs up there. Um, the only the the biggest deciding factor for me outside of the momentum when Tomac gets momentum, he man does he get momentum. Is that you know even though it might not be a serious injury, there's very likely something that's gonna you know be bothering Roxon in his leg for a little bit. So I don't, I think that keeps him from really pushing Tolmac. Um, and then I took the also safe route and put Webb at number three, because I think he's now starting to wake up a little bit. Yeah. It definitely looks like he's starting to wake up. So at he, least in the second half of races. Yeah. You got to throw him into the mix at this point. If he gets a good start and he hangs out in that fourth, fifth place, and he's given an opportunity to make moves at the end of the races, he just, that's, I'm looking. I'm sorry. I'm going back through our 450 predictions oh, for man. this season. <laughs> They're just all and, uh, over the place. No, no, no. So here's the thing: we basically both have agreed for this entire season that Roxon and Tomac are one, like one, two, or one, three, two, three, whatever. They're on the podium in some capacity. Every single race, we predict those two. Okay. The third one is usually just based on who impressed us the most the week <laughs> before. So, um, so Barsha. we both had Cian Cerullo. Okay. Um. Cianciarulo, Tomac, Roxon, Cianciarulo, Tomac, Roxon. Uh, Roxon, Roxon, Tomac, Barsha, Barsha, because that was after he won yeah. round one. Uh, 
I stuck with Barsha the next week, but I had Tomac Roxon. You put Webb up there in front of Tomac and Roxon. We were both wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> like this is just this is and then Anderson. We both went with Anderson last week um, as the third. Like just the third has changed every week depending on what happens. And now we both put Webb in the top three with those other two. So Good one, Lord. I think it's clear who the two best riders on the yeah. track at any given day are, and then who who thir- is third best depends on who just gets a better start and has a better night. Yeah, you can look at the point standings. It's really close for that third spot. So, right. um. Yeah, there's the like you said, it's those two riders and then everybody else, which I've been waiting for. Waiting, waiting yes. for it. So, so yes, yeah. and there it is. We got San Diego next week. Um, I'll come back for with a little bit of a tan. And uh, oh, that's right. Ready. Steve's going on vacation. Going on vacation this week. I will be back though. So I I fly back in here uh, Saturday night. Um, so recording this might be a little bit later than we're used to because um, it's I, I get in a, the plane doesn't land to like 1130 at night. Gotcha. So something like that. Um, but I will be back here local for Sunday for recording the podcast. So I'm also going to have to avoid spoilers Saturday night because I'm definitely not going to be able to watch them. I'll be flying. So. All right. I'll do my best. I promise I won't text you. Wink, wink. Wink, wink, All nudge, nudge. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my phone off until I show up here. How's that? Ah. That's, uh, <laughs> um, that's all I got for this week, man. You got anything else? Just sign up for Jug Club, man. Jump over to the website. Uh, hit the Jug Club tab. Um, we've got that deal going on until the end of May, so you've still got a couple of months, but don't wait. Do not wait. Jump on it now. And uh, just, you know, thank you guys. Our numbers are, are slowly, you know, growing as far as how many of you listen to us and listen to us regularly, consistently. So there, there's a decent amount of you that actually um, actively, willingly listen to me spout <laughs> off and you spout off about this sport uh, on a weekly basis. And that's awesome. So um, thank you guys for helping the numbers grow and tell your friends about us, man. Um, let's let's keep this thing going. We can We can revolutionize the uh right now awful coverage awful. <laughs> in this sport yeah uh, chad reed in the booth chad reed in the booth with will all right talk to you guys next week peace